I expect that we're in for a pretty good daily tomorrow. I just have a feeling. Yeah? Is that just like a like a spidey sense, as you would say? Uh, I'm not super versed in the Marvel universe. Wait, shit. Is that one actually a Marvel character? It is. Yeah, no, Damn. no. You, you, I'm not, you did I'm, well. Sorry, I, I'm getting bad at trolling. I'm not particularly well versed in the DC universe. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know about all the Star War uh, movies, but uh, I know about some of them. Right. Tell me, tell me about which ones you know about. I, I know there's the things that look like the Oakland airport or the Oakland airport thing. <laughs> there's a part of the movie where a guy crawls up into um, like a big sleeping bag that's also an animal. And, and there's, there's a large bear that uh, makes, makes uh, weird noises named Chewy. That we, is the we extent really, we to really which... could do. We could really do an entire episode where you just describe what you think Star Wars is. First, again, I have it on good authority. It's just called Star Wars singular. <laughs> um, but actually, I, was any of that wrong? I don't think so. Let's 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 move along. <laughs> Why? What's the thing about the sleeping bag? Han Solo or Luke Skywalker? Uh, mm-hmm zips himself up into like something right how do i put this into the google um skywalker sleeping bag well so you could be referring to a scene at the beginning of the empire strikes back where what's a tauntaun whatever the hell that is yeah where luke is attacked by this this monster this cave monster and he gets knocked out and is in the cold weather for a period of time and Han Solo finds him, and right after he finds him, the Tauntaun that Han had been writing out to find Luke dies, and so Han cuts it open so that he can stuff Luke inside to warm him up. And it is assumed that this Tauntaun thing is completely, like, sterile and clean on the inside? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently Is this this one of those things where you just don't think it through, or you just try not to think too much? Yeah, yeah. Um, and is Han Solo the one that recklessly drives the, like, the flat spacecraft thing? The Millennium Falcon, yes. Or the, uh, the Falcon, as you, as you would say. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, good daily tomorrow, I think. Uh-huh. Because, so. um, our, our, our president, uh, elected to give, <laughs> elected, um, decided. Was it, when was he? We can't, I mean, according to his own Holy shit. Condition. No, no, hold on. <laughs> Did you watch that interview? uh-huh <laughs> okay so when and also katie tour is one of like it's a, during the whole entire election cycle was one of my favorite journalists and i don't know how she got like because she's like uh used to be like a british anchor and then got hired by msnbc to be like the embed with the campaign and that kind of stuff and and she's great and then she asks this guy from kansas um like can like what, what did she say like are all three to five million votes all f- like all for hillary clinton or, or what was it well, so, um, and then he says, Chris like, Kobach, we'll never know. The, <clears throat> yeah, who's the kind of head of this, I don't really even want to call it a commission. I feel like that's doing it too much credit. But this, whatever, that Trump has assembled um, suggested that we could never know if Trump actually lost the popular vote and then smartly was pushed back on from that quote and was asked, well, can we be sure that Trump won the Electoral College? And the answer was basically, no, we can't. 
<laughs> so, sorry, so hold on. Which I, is I, just, just wonderful. So I have the quote. Uh, do you think that Clinton won the popular vote by three to five million votes because of voter fraud? Kobach says, we'll probably never know the answer to that question because even if you could prove a certain number of votes were cast by ineligible voters, for example, you wouldn't know how they voted. And yeah, like you just said, he uh, owns himself and doesn't think one step ahead of what's the logical follow-up question is. So in that case, are those three to five million votes um, potentially invalid for the reason that like your person uh, won the Electoral College in a landslide, as he likes to say frequently, and hand out on printed eight and a half by 11 maps to foreign dignitaries when, whenever he travels the world? So yeah, this is this is not going too well. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But yeah, so he he decided to give him uh, to give access to himself uh, by the failing New York Times. There's an interview that got posted that I haven't read in its entirety yet uh, tonight. And whenever something like this happens, there's usually um, because I think they record the daily like probably like late in the evening, the day before, because they obviously don't do it that early in the morning. Um. So I assume this will definitely be part of it because the last time he gave one of those interviews, there was a there was a good one there where they actually provide a lot of context behind that. Yeah. So Michael Barbaro, um, friend of the show, he <laughs> would he describe <laughs> himself that way? Uh, maybe. Um, he tweeted out today that, that that's what tomorrow's show's about. Good. Good. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty great. But um, like yeah, it's kind of a weird week. Um, for the president, <laughs> which, of the country. Which week hasn't been weird? This has been an exceptionally shitty one, um, or problematic one. I got I got to get better at using that word. Um, where how how far into the Don Junior story were we last week? Had it just come out, or what? Like, because I don't want to talk about a bunch of stuff that we've already talked about. Um, I mean, last week. Yeah, I mean, we've found out that there were a couple of additional people in the meeting since our episode last week, but most of what we know, we we already knew last week as well. Okay, so so I assume his pre- his father had already called him a high quality person and all this kind of stuff. But like today, or like over the past few days, like apparently we found out that like Manafort was is in debt to like pro Russian groups or something. That um, God, what were some of the other ones? There was, uh, he, uh, oh yeah, uh, that um, at the G20, Putin and Russia, or sorry, Putin and, and Trump had a one hour long secret meeting that literally nobody else was involved in. That's that's mm-hmm. a pretty great one. Then still has a lot of confidence. Um, uh, today in that uh, New York Times interview, he said that he wouldn't have uh, hired Sessions if he was going to uh, recuse himself from the Russian investigation, which again, still has tons of confidence. Uh, he, I think he also threatened the, um, uh, what's, what's Mueller's job title? Special prosecutor in the Russian probe? Uh, to be a special, special prosecutor, special counsel. Special, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he said that, uh, he better not look into any finances beyond the Russia probe. Also like bringing stuff up, like saying things in the most guilt, like he, he, he speaks like a six year old that, that is being asked about having done something wrong and they give away the plot without actually having been asked. <laughs> and then on that, oh, and then the biggest part of the week was uh, he had another hands-on uh, on the White House lawn. And I know that term is problematic for him, so I should clarify. A hands-on with some some, some fire trucks. Uh, so he climbed into this one again for a photo op where he uh, was able to go vroom vroom. Um, 
for for uh, the press corps. Yeah, I and I wish I was the one to tweet this out, but someone who I follow beat me to this that pointed out the day that the House health care bill originally failed was the day that he pretended to like drive that big rig in the <laughs> White House lawn. Mm-hmm. And then the day that the bill truly died in the Senate was the day that he was pretending to drive this fire truck. So something about him pretending to drive vehicles on the White House lawn. Not good for his health care legislation. Perhaps perhaps a um, symbol for his lack of um, commitment to the bill and to just kind of the whole legislative process in general. Well, I, th- I think he... Again, first, first, don't ever forget that he alone can fix it because he knows how mm. broken the system is. But he, but he doesn't own it. No, and that's one of the, the. And I know I probably like MSNBC is probably not the most um, unbiased choice for media, but I mean, who gives a shit? Um, they have been pushing so hard on calling anytime they mention it, and whenever they're doing like the lower third, uh, calling it Trump Care to tie it back to him because he never wants to take ownership for this bill whatsoever. Every time he's talked about any failure related to the healthcare bill, he's always said that the the GOP senators couldn't get it together and blah blah blah. But uh they are push they are trying to force him to to have his name attached to it, which which uh forty five does not want under any circumstances. Well because all all he does is win. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I know I'm going to regret this, but but like just doing the obvious joke, like like when when does the winning stop or start for that matter? So that's not not clear. All right, so we got a lot of follow up this week. Um, copyright John Syracuse, 2011. <laughs> um, I think again that's legally required. You, yeah. Have you not listened to that episode yet? No. All right, you, you have to restructure your debt again. We can. We, no, we we'll, can. We'll, we'll talk about your podcast debt. Well, yeah, we'll come back to that. Okay, you got to you, you can refinance this stuff. There's 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 ways to be crafty financially. Um. So yeah. So the first off, I think we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. Uh, we were talking about how the Giants' sell off record or sell out record at AT and T Park for home games is calculated and all that kind of stuff, and how they might be fudging the numbers. But anyway, somehow the like the the losing season, like which has been just one horrendous season. Like back when I called it uh, a potential comeback because they had a good stretch of like six games. Yeah, that's gone. Um, their sellout streak for like the most in the National League at 530 games has ended. Uh, so pour one out for them. The streak had been going since October 1st, 2010, which the beginning should be, of the dynasty. Should, yeah, should be no should be noted as no coincidence that that was the 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 beginning of this this streak that they've been on. Wait, what? Oh, you mean the winning streak? Mhm. Mhm. Oh, is that what happened to the Giants? Did we get so tired of winning? Holy shit. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> wow. It comes comes full circle. Yeah. Um also noting uh, that that's uh that's when we moved up here. It is. Yeah, yeah. related. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, I don't know if there have been any updates to the story, but other Giants news. Uh, apparently, they may re-sign Pablo Sandoval. Well, so the stories earlier today were that they had. Well, so first there were stories right when he was released by the Red Sox that Bruce Bochy had potentially expressed some interest, but then they didn't really commit to anything. And then earlier today, it was announced that they had officially signed him. 
but I guess just a few minutes before we started recording, Sandoval sent out a tweet or a statement or something saying that he had not officially made a decision and that he'd be giving more details this Friday. So, okay, so he may be... may or not be a giant come the end of this week. So to be determined. So what what's what's your what's your read on that? Do you want him back? Like, do you think he'd be a good addition to the team? Do you have any bad blood over the way he left and how he was kind of a, uh, not very sympathetic to to the Giants or to the the fans that had supported him for so long? I I I'd be open to it. Um, I I tend to I tend to like. Here's here's my general philosophy with with sports with athletes. I'm generally pretty skeptical of guys who are in what's known as a contract year which just means that they're in like the last year of their contract and they're getting ready to go into that offseason to sign a new contract who all of a sudden have this like huge breakout year that's way better than anything they've ever done I tend to be skeptical of those kind of guys on the flip side though i'm usually pretty open to guys who had played really well for some period of time went to a different team, struggled, and then now, you know, either got released or their contract ended or whatever the case was, and now they're coming to a new team kind of looking for some redemption. Those kind of guys, I think, are the ones that ones that you want. So Sandoval kind of fits that category. And at this point, I mean, what else do, what else do the Giants have to lose? Yeah, but I assume, well, would they be able to get him on the cheap, do you think? They would because the way that baseball contracts work are, I think, in all cases, at least most cases, and in definitely in Sandoval's case, his contract from the Red Sox is fully guaranteed. So even though the Red Sox cut him, he still gets paid his full Red Sox salary. So anything that he gets from the Giants or any other team is just on top of that. So, you know he's already getting paid an exorbitant amount of money from Boston. So there's really no reason to try to go double dip somewhere. But would the players see it that way? I know the team would see it that way. Well, I don't, I don't really think he's going to have much of a choice. I don't think there's going to be some bidding war over Pablo Sandoval. Good point. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if the giants are the only team targeting him currently. Hmm. Yeah. Might make a good story. Okay, and uh, yeah, I think that's it for baseball. Um, did we talk about, uh, this was the other thing I wasn't sure about, did we talk about uh, the Amazon Blue Apron meal kit thing last week? No, that came out That came out since last week. Okay, so then we're, we're, we'll promote that to an actual subject. Yeah. Um, you have some follow-up about your Nintendo Switch when you were traveling this weekend, I think. I do. So the the Switch got to go to San Diego this weekend. And that was the perfect opportunity to use some of the uh, mobility features that it offers. So specifically what we did was on the plane, uh, the lady friend and I played Mario Kart. So the way this works on the Switch is the two Joy-Cons on the side come off and then there's a little hand strap that you attach to it. But that hand strap also makes the controller a little bit bigger and it adds a couple of additional buttons. And each individual Joy-Con with that then becomes its own standalone controller. So 
without having to bring any extra equipment, we had two con- two controllers and could play Mario Kart multiplayer split screen against each other. And then there's also a little kickstand on the back of the screen that you can then use to put the switch down on the tray table. And that's exactly what we did. And it was, was pretty, pretty great. Um, you know, this is not an original thought, but the, the joy cons as individual controllers is, are not ideal. I mean, they're really, really small. So even after a short period of time, your hands get a little cramped using them, but they're generally pretty serviceable. And I think the other takeaway was the, the screen's really nice. Um, it's not a, I guess probably not, not quite up to par with something like the new iPads or anything, but, but a really, really nice looking display. So even though we were in split screen, um, you know, the resolution's high enough where, you know, it's still, still a pretty usable, uh, usable experience, even in that, that setup where you're kind of only, you know, looking at just half the screen. So out of the box, the switch has two controllers with it at all times so the <clears throat> the switch has you know the unit itself which has the screen built into it and then the two joy cons snap onto the side and then the the joy cons come off the screen to use in a situation like i just described when you're traveling or of course if you want to put it on the dock to connect to your tv and then the Joy-Cons, again, as I just described, can be used as individual controllers if you want to play with more than one person, or one person can use both Joy-Cons and use them as like a left and right hand controller, which you can do just, you know, loosely in your hand, or the the system also comes with a Joy-Con sort of controller grip where you slide the Joy-Cons into this basically just piece of plastic. But then the Joy-Cons are arranged in such a way where they look more like kind of um, a traditional standalone controller. And again, you would use that if there's just one person playing um, either on the TV or in the uh, kind of portable mode with the kickstand. God. Okay, cool. Um, and battery life on it when doing like full brightness and, and two people playing? So I, yeah, I, I paid attention to that and, uh, we played for about an hour on the flight and the battery was at like 78%, I think, Hmm. which seems, you know, pretty reasonable. I think Nintendo quotes like three to five hours depending on the game and situation. So. And it charges over USB-C. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's why I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show or if this was off air, but my first USB-C device. It's pretty nice. Yeah. iPhone Pro will be your second. That's right. Um, and then other follow-up. Uh, uh, Juicero, or Juicero as you call it, mm-hmm. uh, is laying off 25% of its workforce. And uh, Essential, that makes the Essential phone, has lost its uh, CMO to uh, Will, period, I, period, am. Is that is that how he pronounces it now? It's either that or William. I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna or or the lead singer for the Black Eyed Peas, whatever he wants to be called. But I don't I don't think you get to call yourself Will. I am. I just <laughs> I don't. I just legally I think that's a big gray area. So no. Who's who's the one guy that changed his name three times? He was he was an R and B star, and it, and he just kept shortening it every time. 
Snoop Dogg. No. I know he <laughs> used to be Snoop Doggy Dog, but even I know that. But there was another one. Uh, shit, I gotta look this up. You're asking the wrong guy. Puff Daddy. Hmm. Who became P. Diddy and then just Diddy. And apparently his real name is uh, Sean Combs. Interesting. Okay. Is this, do you think this is what the people tune in for? I thought they were looking for uh, uh, tattooing sleeping bags. And then they got that up front. That's why we structure the show in this way. Well, you don't, you don't need sleeping bags on Tatooine. That's a, that's a desert planet. Come on. Obviously, he needed these because otherwise uh, Han Solo wouldn't have... That, t- that took place on Hoth, not Tatooine. Which one of these has the furry co-pilot? They all do. Okay. <laughs> My spidey sense is telling me to move on because this is boring mm. as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. God, I, I, why can't they make normal movies? Okay. What do you mean? Just all I want are documentaries. Well, stop, stop making things that aren't real. Stop making I'm, things that are entertaining. I can't be the only one that just wants there to stop. How many superhero movies and how much, like, because I know I, Disney is a very success, successful company and I know they have to compensate for the, the troubles at ESPN, but like how many superhero and Star Wars movies and Star Wars experiences and theme park experience, like how, how long is this going to go on for? Well, so that, that kind of semi transitions into one of the stories that we had, which this sure. was a good job. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this was an Atlantic article that I, I think I actually put. This was like the week before, but not a particularly time sensitive article. Um, that basically was kind of trying to tease out whether we've hit apex um, movie sequel, the movie sequel era. Um, because they they note that a lot of the big sequels that came out this year kind of didn't meet expectations or you know grossed less money in their opening weekend than the previous previous movie did and the article was kind of trying to figure out whether that's just sequel fatigue or perhaps if people are just getting tired of bad movies because it was noted that you know like this new spider-man came out and has done really really well because it's been reviewed really well Whereas, like, on the flip side, Transformers 5 bombed by any expectation and, you know, also was reviewed horribly. So it's kind of this question of whether people are just tired of sequels in general or whether they're just kind of tired of bad movies and slapping on a number at the end. You know, if it's a bad movie, it's a bad movie. And whether it's part of a successful franchise or not maybe matters a little less. So is it... And and I think you addressed this a little bit last week or whenever we talked about the that new Pirates movie. So like is aren't almost all movie decisions now, or at least any big budget movie decisions, based off of what like we think the uh Asian and international appeal is gonna be, because that's where a bulk of the movie revenues are coming from now. That's become a, a big consideration of studios, yeah. But another uh point that this article touches on is in some cases, even that above expectations international gross is not fully making up for uh, disappointing domestic receipts. So do you personally think that attitudes are going to change at all? Because like there have been some like uh, out of nowhere, or probably not out of nowhere, successes. Um, like I think I haven't seen the movie yet, but like Get Out is supposed to be like a really low budget 
but incredibly successful movie uh, that is not a sequel of anything. Do you think that there will be more of an appetite or um, likelihood to fund and, and go for projects that aren't just big budget sequels and maybe make more of them? Well, I think... I don't know necessarily there's going to be fewer sequels, but I, I do like to think that studios are starting to recognize that, again, they can't just slap a number at the end of something or associate a movie with a popular franchise and just pretend that that's going to be enough. And I, I think there are there are a lot of examples of that where I think 10, 10 years ago, even, if this whole Marvel thing happened or if we were at the point in the Marvel cycle where we are today, I'm not sure there'd be quite the same quality paid to those movies as there is like you know you can say a lot of different things about disney but they put a lot of care into their ip and basically all of these marvel sequels almost without exception have been well reviewed and of you know high quality and even on the flip side with dc i think they they're beginning to recognize that they can't just slap superman or batman on the front of something and pretend it's going to be great and I think that's been evidenced with Wonder Woman this year, where, you know, they actually put a lot more care into that movie, clearly, and people responded to that. So it's, you know, it's it's not enough just to have the superhero in the movie. You got to actually make that movie good. And it, it kind of seems like some studios, some quicker than others, are beginning to realize that. Hmm. Okay, cool. And then, I think that's probably it. You saw the thing, and maybe you'll put just a link to the show notes because I don't have a whole lot to add to this. But um, I think it was Cable Sasser of Panic had a link to some like weird, obscure um, like terms of like the Disney Marvel like licensing clause, like where they're like <laughs> based off of like what direct side of the Mississippi you're on, you're allowed to include the word Marvel in uh, like a theme park. It's something super weird, but also very, very interesting. So please uh, throw a note into the show notes about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put this in the notes. Yeah, not not a ton to add to it. I would recommend people just read through um, the the tweet storm that he did. But long story short, it's Marvel had signed this deal with Universal back in the 90s, and that deal didn't have any end date. So basically, it was just kind of this open-ended agreement that granted Universal a bunch of rights to the Marvel heroes specifically within the context of theme parks, which now that Disney owns the movie rights to all the Marvel characters, and actually I think in most cases owns like the entirety of rights to the characters, I guess with exception of the theme park rights, um, which is all making me think of the animation rights from the Banana Grabber and Arrested Development. <laughs> um, Wait, what, what was that? Remember um, Job makes the uh rival um banana stand i might be getting a couple plots mixed up but he i think he he creates the rival banana span, stand and then him and michael come to a truce but then like oh yeah yeah and then i don't know michael i guess probably even as a joke was just like yeah you can have rights to the banana grabber but i retain animation rights and they make a deal and then there's like a gag at the end that the banana grabber animated TV show is like a big hit. Job Job's all upset that he he didn't have the animation rights. I don't think I'm getting that quite right, but <laughs> I, I vaguely remember all of this, and it still makes me happy. So that's okay. It's the um, it's the same episode that where he gets the uh, he gets his front tooth 
knocked out and he has the the whistle. Does that episode have Steve Holt in it? Uh, it might. I might be mixing episodes. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's do one more small thing before we get to like the to the big main topic of today. Let's do something fun. Um, you you've seen Swole Bezos? I have. I think I think um I think he goes by Pitbull now. So th- yeah. So that's kind of the. <coughs> <laughs> you're, gonna be, you're gonna be okay. I'm good. Sorry. Um, that's kind of the best part of this because I forget who it was. Let me scroll back in the thing. Uh, yeah, it was Matt Howie, um, who made the thing. Um, so there was, there was some summit in Aspen or where a bunch of tech CEOs went and somebody in some photographer caught a thing where, uh, Jeff Bezos is, is wearing like aviators. He's wearing like Joe Biden sunglasses. He's wearing this sleeveless, like puff vest jacket and he looks like super buff and, and, and he put a, uh, just the word pitbull in all caps, uh, at the top of it, <laughs> which it totally does. If you don't have any context of of the person's height, it lo- does look exactly like a, a Caucasian pit bull, the 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 um, uh, music artist, not the the dog. So that's pretty great. And then there was another one where uh, there's a picture of Jeff Bezos in 1998, uh, <laughs> dressed dressed like me <laughs> with a <laughs> with a button up shirt and a sweater over a very classic uh, uh, aging nerd look. <laughs> <laughs> I wear it very well. Uh and in that in nineteen ninety eight says uh I sell books versus uh Bezos in twenty seventeen. Uh I sell whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so it's it's good stuff. If you I'm sure I don't know how you'd search for this on Twitter because no, th- these both, are all images. They're they're well, both no, but the whole but the whole thing of like just like the swole Bezos meme that was on the internet that was the only good thing of last week uh was was really, really, really fun. So highly highly recommended um but the the reason i bring this up is is because there are two amazon related stories i think we should talk about uh so first the quick one that i'll get out of the way uh apparently in san jose they're gonna that's gonna be california's first uh physical amazon bookstore hmm. so interesting and, and weird um i would have thought i mean and this is probably planned way in advance or maybe maybe i'm wrong for thinking this but i thought like maybe the whole foods acquisition and that kind of thing might have altered amazon's uh retail and brick and mortar presence strategy or they might have put some stuff on hold but maybe they're entirely unique things maybe i'm wrong about that yeah no i think it's reasonable to think that but in the case of amazon i think it's also reasonable to think that they'll just do both because yeah. because why not yeah get you an retailer that can do both um there's also uh amazon uh was rumored to have been um interested in making a uh, meal prep service or as uh blue apron likes to market themselves as a recipe delivery service so apparently amazon is doing the exact same thing and correct me if i'm wrong has has this been like a private trial that tons of people have already been using or did it just start this week because i've heard like conflicting reports yeah, so the um, the article that we'll we'll put in the notes here indicates that these meal kits have been available from, I, I guess it's the, um, well, actually, okay, yeah, this has been confusing to me too. So I guess this this Engadget article says that it's been av- these have been available to some Amazon Fresh customers. So whatever whatever that means. Well, that's um, the, well, I mean, that's that's the one rate to pay two ninety nine a year. Like that's no, the no I, I know. Thing. I know that part, but the some Amazon Fresh customers, I, I don't 
is I don't know if that's based on geographical location or, or what that's based on. Um, but then they've also been available at the uh, the Amazon Go store. In but that is that is also Amazon employee only still. Right. Okay, so some people just means Amazon employees who are probably yeah. under an NDA, so therefore that's why it didn't get out. Right. Okay. So yeah, so it was rumored last week that they would be starting a uh, recipe delivery service, and that sent Blue Apron stock down 10%, which was already trading three, 20 or 30% below IPO price. And then uh, when it came true, the, like actually there were pictures and like confirmed reports that that is something that they're trialing. It went down like another 5% or something. So yeah, so there's there is no market or thing that Amazon will will not do, and that also points to the problems with a lot of recent IPOs that we'll talk about. But like, well, what's 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 your read on this? Um, well, I I feel do feel bad for Blue Apron. That's tough tough timing. Um, although maybe they were smart to do their IPO before this became official. Um, there's not. I guess we need to wait until we get more information about these meal kits, but from what we know so far, there doesn't seem to be anything that's super unique or different compared to the blue apron stuff. Like the pricing seems to basically be the same. The general premise is basically the same. So, I mean, if, if Amazon were coming out with something like this and it was like half the price of what blue apron was doing, I mean, that would clearly be a huge issue for them, but I don't know. I, I think if, if this does officially roll out and, and it's basically just a Blue Apron clone, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that Blue Apron might be okay. Uh, why? I mean, because this, this seems like one of those things where branding probably doesn't matter too much. Because like in terms of logistics and customer service and that kind of stuff, like I think Amazon is probably pretty top-notch there. And... Like I, this doesn't seem like a business model or a, or a product that's really that hard to clone because like it's it's just food. Um, so I, I like yeah. What 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 makes you optimistic that Amazon like that Blue Apron is kind of still well, fine? I don't mean I don't mean to give off the impression I'm optimistic. I mean I just mean to say that at least so far there's nothing clearly better about this service. You're 100 percent right that the Amazon name and being able to hook this into Prime potentially and all that could be potentially a big deal but just what we know so far it you know doesn't seem a ton different than a ton different or better than blue apron yeah well i mean think about it once like let's say they combine prime fresh and prime now and whatever they want to call this service and you can like because of their massive infrastructure and, and logistics operation uh, that most of which they they now completely own for that kind of part of the stack, they can like if you can decide at work in the morning that you want a meal kit and that kind of stuff that night and and it's just there or somebody's going to drop it off at your workplace in two hours. Like I like cause right now, if I'm not mistaken, Blue Apron delivers most of these weekly kits like through like three day UPS by like package delivery right yeah if i remember correctly you have to like make a decision on the meals you want and whether you want to opt in or out for the week like wednesday or thursday of the week before yeah so yeah no but that that's i guess maybe i'm not doing a great job explaining this but 
what I'm saying is that what we know so far doesn't sound any better than Blue Apron. But if Amazon were to officially roll this out and do something like exactly what you described, where it's like, hey, you can get these same day or something to that effect, then then yeah, that's that's a big problem for Blue Apron. It seems like most recent like tech IPOs have had have like really like a lot of them, or at least the high profile ones, have kind of struggled with this. Like Blue Apron seems to have like rushed or come out of nowhere and, and it's facing all these challenges. Um and then Snapchat, like that's not something that you use, right? Uh no. Have you ever installed it? No. Okay. So you're completely unfamiliar with the dancing hot dog? I have no idea what that means. You know what that means. I I don't. Oh, gosh dang it! Hold I think on. I I think I played along nice when you mentioned it on last week's show. Did I? I didn't want to I didn't want to derail us, and then I, but I I don't really know what that is. No. You saw the dog rates thing where there's the dog that looks like it's late for a meeting. <laughs> I did. Sorry, I'm I'm just scrolling through my my own likes trying to figure out where where the hell thing I'm looking for is. Um, a lot of a lot of dogs. It actually is, and then like <laughs> Instagram is way worse. But where where is it? Um, Wait, so do you, do you use Snapchat? Uh, I uh, very very infrequently. It's mainly just to consume other things. Like I don't actually ever share snaps. I think young people call them. Um, you, don't, you don't ever you don't ever snap. No, no, I de- I definitely that, Instagram like, story. Is that, is, that, am I, is that snapping? No, that's that's not going to play very well in a podcast. Okay. Um, well, anyway, so apparently there's this dancing hot dog thing that um, that's that's a filter. They're they're experimenting like with augmented reality stuff uh, that everybody is 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 really excited about because it dances to a uh, hip hop song. Actually, here's one of them. Um, but this uh, probably is is scarier than it needs to be. And we'll 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 put this in the notes. Oh, please don't. Because yeah, so it it like you you put it onto the thing and it starts uh, <laughs> dancing to the music. But this this one was like some scared dad saying, "Leave my family alone." The other one I was looking for that I couldn't find was somebody who was looking at the Google Finance page for for Snapchat stock, and this was a day it was down like ten percent, and it was playing that song. Uh, so you had a bad day, and I can't find it, but it, it was pretty it's pretty good. But yeah, like so, what were we talking about? Like so, Snapchat's had some trouble. Blue Apron's had some trouble. It sounds like Roku is is prepping to uh, have its IPO before the end of the year. It's like, what? Do you have any thoughts or insights on any of this? I mean, yeah, a couple. Um, I mean, my number one takeaway is this is a sign that we're in a much much healthier environment than we were. In the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, investors are going into these IPOs with a much higher degree of skepticism than, you know, 17, 18 years ago. And that's and that's by and large a good thing. You know, people aren't just blindly throwing monies at this company, at these companies, but rather they're much more results driven. I mean, there's still some nonsense that happens, but by and large, results are what drive investment, and that's that's the way this stuff should work, you know. Well, so why Break, would breaking why, news? Why don't you think that that would reach as far as like the actual IPO pricing stage? Like, so, uh, uh, it, my intermediate understanding of finance is that generally you aim to price high enough to like not lose out leave a ton of money on the table but generally you want a decent pop on the first day of investing and you definitely don't want to have your property well but so much so much of that is controlled by 
the bankers that control the IPO and they are incentivized to want to have a pop on the first day. Well, so, sure, but so, so what I'm saying is, is like Blue Apron that had to reduce its its uh, IPO price because people weren't buying at that time, and even before the Amazon rumors had been trading well below its IPO price after being only public for about a month, and and so like Snapchat has been trading below IPO range or before IPO price for like a, a couple months now. Well, I mean, I think both of those companies, it's it's financial metrics that are the problem. I mean, Snap is even if you exclude the stock comp stuff, is losing money hand over fist. And with Blue Apron, the concern's been that, what was it, something like they spend $350 to acquire each individual customer over the last 18 months or some, something like that? Pro so, tip to them, I'll sign up for 400 <laughs> So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's financial data that, that's hurting, hurting these IPOs, which again is this, you know, how it should work. But the other thing I'd say is that, you know, even in recent history, we've we've seen these IPOs that get off to a slow start kind of go both directions. There's the Twitters of the world that sort of falter out of the gate and then just sort of never recover. But then there's the Facebooks of the world that have a disastrous IPO and a really rough first year on the public markets, find a way to turn it around. But that that was more of the company. So so Facebook... Uh, and and, I, and I'm I'm super bummed that I sold them at 139, but they that when when it IPO'd they hadn't cracked mobile yet. Like they as a company worked really really hard to figure out like you know our HTML5 and and not having native apps on mobile is a huge mistake, and, and we need to have the fastest native experience so that we can gradually increase the ad load. Like they did so much work for mobile to be successful, and that's why they are so profitable and and, and worthwhile. But, but that's yeah, but that's exactly it. I mean if <laughs> If Blue Apron finds a way to acquire customers for less than $350, and if Snap actually starts making money, then they'll also have that same turnaround story. Facebook was able to do exactly what what we're talking about here, which is they had a weakness that investors were focused on at the IPO, and investors were right to be concerned about, and they turned it around. Well, but, but they're a worthwhile software company. Like, I mean, like... Blue Apron is entirely different because, like, there there's no way for them to figure out what they're going to do. Or, I mean, like, there's no switch that they can flip where they just start making tons of money like Facebook. Like, Facebook becoming the de facto place where somebody's spending, like, an hour a day or, or whatever it is on that website on mobile. And the fact that they're able to so easily monetize those users, like, that's that's a really easy high multiplier type of business change. Whereas Blue Apron... Sure, they can try to get their customer acquisition costs down, but like there's no, that's not, even if they do that, that helps profitability a little bit, but that's not going to be like a, like a multiplier on like their overall like operating revenues. Like you're, you're solving the profit part of the equation, but that's not going to like ramp up into like massive subscriber growth. <laughs> I think you're, you're outlining exactly the case why these companies have struggled. Cause not only are they in a, difficult position but there's no clear path forward either well so i guess that goes back to my original question so like we we agree on why the struggles exist in in like in that you're, you're saying that like market forces are, are like investors are being less um crazy than, than it was it the the last time this whole thing happened like in, in the late 90s but um like uh, my my question is why are they pricing themselves like so then shouldn't they be cheaper at time of public offering? 
Well, because like no, like normally I would think the opposite. Like you, you want to price like you, you want to make as much money as you can, but you also don't want to price too aggressively where the stock has a uh, a slide from IPO price. And normally you would actually underprice a little bit so that you have that reassuring uh, pop, like on the first like day or week. But if this keeps up, like Blue Apron, I actually think on its first day actually closed below IPO price. I don't know. Like it just it seems concerning. And and okay, so let's move on a little bit. So Roku having an IPO, this this was one that can that perplexed me greatly. And I'm not sure if you share the same concerns or maybe you're more optimistic than I am. But how on earth does a company that makes low margin connected TV boxes like how is that like how's that a business? Or like I know they don't lose money or like do do you share my skepticism? Do you know what I'm trying to get at? I I can't claim to have ever looked into Roku's gross margins, <laughs> so I I guess I I can't can't say for sure. Because Roku's aren't expensive, are they? No, not not terribly. Like a Roku, whatever what's a, whatever streaming stick is, that's forty nine dollars. A Roku Express, whatever that is, is thirty nine dollars. Like the I don't like that's yeah, that's not a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know. Like I I just I that doesn't seem like a standalone business like as Steve Jobs but said it seems more like a feature than a product. Cuz like connected TVs have to get a lot better than this, right? Like you would either choose a Chromecast or an Apple TV if that's your persuasion. Like why, why who buys Roku? I I think Roku's are super popular, aren't they? Are they? Cuz Chromecast think, think is like so. 30, Chromecast is like 35 or 50 dollars does all the same stuff and Google is willing to subsidize that whole operation. And Chromecast works just fine with iOS. Hmm. Well, as someone who's never owned a Roku device, I'm I'm not the best to ask. Yeah. Okay, do you want to do our big topic? Let's do it. I brought this up before listening to Upgrade because I assume everybody that listens to the show probably listens to Upgrade. Um, and this has been on on the table for a few months now. So I just want to get a discussion going with you about kind of like how you pick the software and, and tools that you use uh, for your personal work, business work, and that kind of stuff. Like, how do you decide like what's the right tool for the job? But mainly, when do you like reevaluate what you use, and how do you either introduce new things or fight the urge to rather than like doing whatever you actually need to do waste your time just playing with new stuff that you may be solving the same problem you've already solved, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I think this is a really, a really good topic. Um, so I will, I will attempt to answer your questions in order here. So how I choose tools for me, the, I think the number one thing that I prioritize is um, the tool being platform agnostic and the tool being able to use to be able to work across multiple devices seamlessly um because when you posed this question yesterday the day before to kind of prep for the show i and i thought about the whole kind of cross device functionality piece like i i really can't name almost anything outside of maybe this show that i only do on my computer or really any other <clears throat> activity that I do just on a single device. You know, virtually every piece of software that I regularly use, I use both on 
my Mac, on my iPhone, on my iPad, on some cases on my Windows desktop. So software or a tool being cross-platform, hugely, hugely important. Um, I also tend to like quick setup, which maybe starts to get a little bit into the last point about kind of you know messing around with tools rather than actually getting work done. I actually don't I don't really have that issue. I I kind of take the Jason Snell approach where I want <laughs> I want tools to kind of just get out of the way and instantly make my day-to-day easier. Certainly when I, you know, to again use this phrase when I was younger, I loved fiddling around with stuff like I was the one always constantly downloading different video card drivers to get like a slightly higher like 3D benchmark score. I was, you know, constantly like tweaking stuff all the time. But now that I value my time a lot more than I did when I was a kid, I kind of just don't really have that urge. And in fact, I I have an urge not to do this where I, I'm kind of just messing around with tools instead of getting things done. So tools that are easy to get started with, I definitely prioritize. And then I guess the third thing is user interface. I, I like tools that look nice. It was is what was drew me to, you know, the Mac years and years ago, where everything on the Mac just looked so much nicer than it did on Windows. And I would say still continues to be that way today. Like that, you know, it's not the most important thing, but if you're going to be using something all the time, you kind of want it to look nice. And that that ultimately, to me, does make does make a bit of a difference. Um, and then, you know, these other other couple of pieces to the question about reevaluating and introducing new tools, I would I would generally say I don't do a lot of that. I think once I find a system that works, I most of the time stick to it. You know, I kind of don't don't fix something that's not broken. Um, so I, I kind of try to, you know, introduce new tools and kind of reevaluate what I'm using as as little as possible. Did I did I hit everything there? I think you did, and I envy you because <laughs> those are all the right answers. But you you are preciously uh, light on details of how of how to do it. Um, well, I guess I'll, I, I'm kind of, I was kind of trying to think of it in real time as I was answering the question, because again, I, I totally was, or like maybe a, a slightly more recent example than like the video card drivers and stuff was, um, when I got that first iPhone that the, your original iPhone, like syncing calendar and contact data was a (laughs) total disaster and i remember spending hours probably days finding different ways to like make all that stuff work and actually like got enjoyment out of doing that um and now that's just like that's like the last thing in the world i would want to do and I, i i can't i guess i can't really explain exactly why that's the case outside of i guess again i guess just valuing valuing my time and wanting to be doing other things okay so so let me me ask a question so do you love omnifocus i do 
do you have is there any part of it that you don't like um well other than the occasional sinking issues i have mm-hmm. i know that that's not your question um i think it's a little too complex mm-hmm. like i i appreciate that you don't necessarily need to use all of its complexity to enjoy it um but I also, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of stuff in there that I never use. So having it there just feels a little wasteful, but I mean, just because I don't use something doesn't mean it, guess it shouldn't be in there at all. I mean, if, if other people are using it, then more power to them. Okay. So I guess like, so my question is, and that's one of the ones that I, that I struggle with a lot. It's like, how do you... For an application that you use so much and so frequently and and can dictate so much of your day, like how like it's it's for me particularly it's it's challenging to try to just stick with that one tool and and not go looking for something that like maybe fits how your brain or how you want to work specifically and the thing is like I've gone on a lot of fool's errands looking for a better to do list app and like this. This is related to upgrade because uh, Jason Snell is considering finally upgrading from uh, a to-do list system, which is basically just his calendar, which is whatever works for you. Um, but like uh, evaluating things like the, like the app, like to-do, the number two, and then do, or there's Todoist, or there's this new one that came out um, like a month and a half ago that everybody was raving about called Things. Um like how you like just stick with what you what you have and and make the best of it, or how do you not have that? Um, I think I think young people call it FOMO, like like fear of like having like of missing out is what that means. But like, how do you not live with a tool that doesn't work right for you just because you're sticking with it? Um. Well, maybe another part of it too is I, as I've gotten older, sort of value simplicity a lot more and what i I guess what i mean by that isn't so much that it's not that omnifocus is a simple tool because that's that's certainly not the case but more just in that again going back to the idea of like if it's not broke don't fix it where i if you know if 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 there's a situation where i could be using like three different tools or if i could be using one tool instead of three different tools i'm always going to choose being able just to use one tool like i i don't i don't want to be fiddling around with three different things which maybe in the end would come up with like this perfect solution where if i could just use one tool that's good enough then you know maybe i'm just okay with that. that does that make sense it does it does yeah that's pretty sensible so, so in that case, then what are your go-to tools, specifically related? And, I, and by this, I mean uh, like related to software that helps you get what you use done. And I don't, I don't mean like Chrome and Excel and stuff like that. No, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, well, I mean, I think looking at like the my first screen of my iPhone is probably pretty telling. Where OmniFocus is has become just a huge part of my day every day. Uh, Fantastic Cal, I can't imagine doing calendaring without Fantastic Cal. Um, I would put Gmail in this category. Um, I, I find Gmail to be 
really, really, really great. And as someone who's spent a ton of time in recent years, both in Outlook and in Gmail, I mean, Gmail is just awesome and, and makes makes email somewhat more tolerable. Like Outlook Desktop Outlook or Outlook for iOS? Uh, Outlook for the desktop. Got it. Which is fine, but Gmail is just a lot better. Um, and those are, you know, those are, those are the big things. I mean, Fantastical, Gmail, and Fanta- or and um, OmniFocus are kind of the three apps outside of Twitter <laughs> that I sort of live in throughout the day. And it'd be tough to imagine day-to-day activities without those three. Okay. And I think we talked about this a lot, but like, what do you use for note-taking? So that is something, it's glad you brought this up. It's something that I'm trying to get a little better at. Like I, you know, if if longtime listeners of the show will remember my pre-OmniFocus days where I kind of just used like the default reminders app for to-do stuff. And then that eventually evolved over time into uh, using OmniFocus. I feel like those early days of the Reminders app is sort of where I'm at now with note-taking, where note-taking's always been sort of one of those things where I've been starting to go with sticking with something. And I'm trying to to get better about jotting down random thoughts and taking notes during meetings and, and all that kind of stuff. And one thing that I've been trying the last couple of weeks is Omni Outliner, which for me is, has been working really, really well so far. Um, and college me really wishes I would have had this app because all of my notes I took in college, I just, you know, immediately opened Word and then just started a bulleted list. Like to me, like bullets are the way that I want to take notes and like nested bullets are the way to go. Um, can I, can so, I shame you real quick? Sure. Was it not up until like a, a few months ago that you would actually compose show notes in either pages or Word? Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Why? Well, I, like, I, do, I do, say I'm do learning. You, well, no, but like not even beyond like. But would you? Hmm. But like Word just seems like the most blunt instrument or like just like the worst tool for that job i guess like maybe that's where like and again like that's why i i i envy you so much and like that well that so that, the, that that stuff doesn't that well so you just word, use whatever gets the job done no word word falls a little outside of that because that that's a that's a relic of my windows upbringing like I mean, still, yeah, but, but 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 on on Windows, like because I, I still use Windows every day. Like I'll just do like Windows R, and then I'll type Notepad, and I'll just use the super most bare bones text editor. Because unless I'm going to print something, like I, I the, all the cruft and just track changes and like just all the Microsoft Officeiness of Word just like breaks my brain. Unless I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but like no, Omni Outliner is really really good. For, for so many reasons, and it's very extensible. And, and that's one of the things that, where it is like OmniFocus, where it does a surprising amount that can sometimes make it hard to get over the hump and get into. Yeah, I, I feel like I haven't, haven't really even scratched the surface so far, but um, so far that, that it's, that's been working pretty well. And I, I, I do still occasionally use just the default notes app. Um, I find the syncing across devices, again, going back to that original point to be, you know, pretty much perfect across 
macOS and iOS. And, you know, they, Apple's done a lot. I don't remember if this was an iOS 10 thing or an iOS 9 thing where they, you know, completely redesigned the Notes app. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. It's not, not perfect, but a whole lot better than it used to be. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to co-opt that example and, and say you are absolutely right. So I'm somebody who's always who's very um, who used to be super gung ho about um, Evernote, and it's uh, not not great uh, anymore, or maybe has never been that great. And the Notes app is not bad. So um, yeah, I think even Jason and especially Mike have mentioned this on Upgrade. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. So no, so uh, big big recommendation on. Uh, iCloud syncing and the Notes app on OS 10 and on the iPhone. Yeah, um, Ever Evernote has been um, deleted off my iPhone. <laughs> uh, Omni Omni Outliner and Notes have kind of taken over. Good. Um, so for like just quick text capture on your iPhone, what do you use? Like you're you're just you're doing something and you just need to like I have I have two sentences of something to write down and I need to remember it for later, or I need to do something with it, what do you use? I mean, I, th- I think you've sort of asked a question like that before. And, you know, I generally, when thoughts like that happen, there's usually a task or an action. So that becomes an omnifocus action. Um, it, when it's not an actionable thing, I guess previously I would have said Evernote, but as I've been sort of getting away from that, now that would probably live in just the notes app. Okay. Makes sense. Um and you're still you're still Apple Music. Or what what actually are you on Pandora Premium? Yeah, Pandora Pandora Premium for music. So do you still have a premium Apple Music subscription? No. Okay. Hmm. And no no complaints? Um the app is buggy. Maybe they've inherited some of the audio stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, the app, the app's buggy, but outside of that, no, it's, it's pretty good. Not having it on the web, I don't love, because as, as we've talked on the show, I'm one of those, I guess, rare people that probably listens to music services like Pandora more on my computer than on my phone, because I, you know, I'm listening primarily at work, Mm -hmm. and they don't have any of the premium features on the web yet. Uh Uh-huh. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, so I'm, I'm going to flip that around on you because, because you've always made the case that you don't listen to podcasts on your computer. So what, why the difference? Well, I listen to music while I'm working. Oh yeah. Because you, okay. Got it. Yeah. You're, you're, I re- you're... recently, recently tried to get back into listening to podcasts while working and it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't go well. Gotcha. Okay. You're a strict constructionist. Uh-huh. That's right. Um... Okay. And any other particular tools that you want to highlight or not really? Uh, no, I think, I think I hit the big ones for me. Okay. But, but, but enough about me. What about you? Well, no. So like I, I'm trying to get ideas for myself because I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot over the um, past couple, uh, couple of days. So I've actually introduced one new thing because uh, like for writing, there's kind of three things, three or four like categories that this would fall into. There's either like super quick notes, which previously had like been occupied by uh, an app called Simple Note or sometimes Evernote, and I'm trying to excise that and strictly just use uh, drafts on iOS, which is pretty good. 
And then there's like more long form stuff, uh, which I'm actually using a new application called Bear, which I will send you a screenshot of. That's pretty good. Um, so that is a very good markdown editor that um, is easy to use, syncs well, and is, and is pretty minimal. And then for um, for everything else, I'm just using uh, the Notes app, which has turned out to be a pretty good system. So I'm I'm fairly happy about that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then OmniFocus. I think I'm going to probably stick with it. Like, there's just so much, so much stuff that like that I don't really love about it. But everything else I've tried, and again, these are these fools errands that I'm on, trying to find something that's as good or better. Is that like it's 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 a bit too complicated a lot of the time, but most other tools are oddly like every single one is missing like four features that are really really important, which which makes me come back to OmniFocus all the time. Can I can I ask you a, a random Omni question? Of course. That that's top of mind today for me. Uh huh. So does OmniPresence exist just because they don't trust iCloud? Like it's I I I was setting up. Well, here's here's the thing, and this could be out of date information. At least when iCloud data, I think what's it, is it called CloudKit? I think uh, whatever the data storage component of iCloud, it used to be, or maybe still is, that unless you're sold exclusively in the Mac App Store, you can't use it. Mm, that's right. So that was a huge thing, and I think that like as of. Um, Maybe last year's WWDC that may have changed, um, but that was a big reason. And and Omni because they sell real software, um, the uh, the Mac App Store has not been the primary focus of their um, business model. No, I think I think you're exactly right. Um, I mean, I so I set up OmniPresence today, and it's I mean it it it's fine and and seems to generally work okay but it just it seemed kind of duplicative but yeah it's kind of it's kind of like why do i have this now i now have a third thing beyond icloud and dropbox that's just sink, sinking stuff in the background for me yeah yeah um, and then like in the, the logical question is generally like why not just use dropbox but they've they've tried that and just like because of limitations it's just not for the way that omni outliner and omni plan and some of the other stuff works it's in omni folks like it's just not the best option Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, the Omni Groups app, like, uh, so Omni Focus and Omni Outliner are very good. And I'm trying to move more stuff into Omni f- Omni Outliner because that is one of the problems that I've had or, like, something I've I've looked for in an Omni Focus replacement where I'm just really bad about wanting to track things that don't have a specific due date inside of yeah. Omni Focus. Like, yeah. having stuff where I'm like, you know what, today I have, like, this bill is due. I need to do this that's due today. And I have this thing, but I also want to go to the grocery store and I also want to, uh, kind of sort some photos on my Mac and do stuff that I want to do today, but I don't necessarily have to, and the world's not going to end if I don't. And then that's where I've gotten into a place where you will say like, I'll like send you my home screen for something and you'll get super apprehensive that I have 15, uh, do within 24 oh hours God, things God. on OmniFocus and it, <laughs> and, it, and, it make, and it makes you really mad. Can't handle that. And 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 to, and to, and to be honest, like neither can I. Right? Like right now, I'm down to seven, but I have a couple of things that oh, I did prepare a basic outline for the podcast. Check that off. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, repeating uh, re- repeating tasks on Omni uh, OmniFocus are the best. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's stuff like that where that's been like that. Uh, that's my white whale of like love of, of uh, to do project management and to do applications. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I think the function in OmniFocus that's supposed to try to help you with that is the review functionality. But I I tend I to find that so. doesn't. I think so, right? Because if you don't assign something a specific date, but you have, you know, weekly or biweekly reviews set up for each of your projects, you know, if you're actually going through that exercise and looking at each action item within a project, you'll be somewhat at least indirectly reminded that, hey, that's something you've got to do. But but uh, this is all a way of saying I don't find that to be particularly effective. Like the review functionality for me has never been something that's been super critical or something that I've used a ton of. So even if that is supposed to kind of periodically remind you of stuff that doesn't have a hard deadline, that doesn't, it doesn't work super well for me. Yeah. And, and cause yeah, I'm not sure that's what the review function is for, but to be honest, I don't really know what it is for either. I think it's to find <laughs> like projects that just haven't had a lot of action for a while and just so you can kind of reevaluate things. But for me, it's usually not stuff that's been sitting without a due date for a while. It's stuff that just like I've thought like in the morning, like here's the stuff I want to get done. But like I either like put all those items in and I say like I go into the forecast tab and like I just put a bunch of stuff in. So I have a bunch of random shit due at five o'clock today or I assign them random times throughout the day, which isn't really that much better. Um, Or I've also tried like just saying look at your look at your notes app to see what you want to do today like so i haven't found a good solution so i'm hoping to try to make a checklist template and put that into omni outliner and see how that works for the want to do but not critical to do stuff but i don't know and i assume we've lost everybody listening no i th- i think pe- pe- people come for the the p diddy nicknames and they and they stay for the productivity tool discussion I'm sure. And the Trump jokes, come on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has been really working, putting in a lot of overtime today. Yeah. He's, or uh, this week. I, I was a little concerned. He'd been a little quiet the last few weeks, but but he's uh, he's ramped it back up. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, but I, I specifically, yeah, Bear has been a, a really cool tool that I like because I, ha- I used to use a program called Byword. Um, that was a Markdown editor that hasn't been updated in like forever. And I never liked writing an Evernote. And there's a lot of times where just using a plain text, uh, text editor like TextMate is not ideal. So yeah, Bear's pretty cool if you ever want to write something that's a little bit longer or want something more substantive than a Notes app. And this is just B-E-A-R? Yes. Okay. From Shiny Frog Software. Got it. That will be in the notes. Yep. Um... And then, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, picks of the week? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so one, one of the topics you have in there is my pick of the week, so I'm, I'm glad we didn't get to it. Um, and that is the enhanced Logitech, Echo, Logitech slash Echo um, integration. So I, I, I'm pretty sure when the first piece of this integration came out, I made it a pick of the week. But the news now is... You know, kind of one of the weird, well, maybe not weird, maybe necessary quirks of of the Echo is when you're trying to use the Echo for a third-party service, you have to say, hey, lady in the can, 
ask in this case harmony to play or ask harmony to mute um but there was always kind of this weird separation where certain things you didn't have to insert the ask harmony to phrase like for example if you just wanted to start an activity like turning on the tv you could just say hey lady in the can turn on the tv you didn't have to say ask harmony to turn on the tv but then when you were actually watching tv if you wanted to control the volume or pause in the case of using something like tivo that's where you did have to insert the ask harmony to phrase which you know kind of a minor annoyance um made particularly annoying just because again there was sort of these like cases where you didn't have to versus cases where you did like it almost would be easier if it was just one or the other but now it basically is because um logitech has essentially removed the requirement to um use the ask harmony to phrase for just about all tasks now so i i think like we've we've messed around with mute play pause volume i think we did you can you pretty much do everything now with just saying hey lady in the can play or whatever and that's you know minor little thing but it makes an already great part of the echo even better okay so a couple quick clarification points um how do the volume controls not confuse the echo that you're talking about it itself um i guess i've i've never adjusted the volume on my echo using my voice um so i don't i don't know hmm. okay um are you able to ask it to change the channel yes and do you just have to do the channel number or can you actually say the network and somehow the TiVo knows? So you, as part of the integration, as part of the Logitech piece of the integration, you can specify favorite channels and you, mm-hmm. na- you name those favorite channels. And that does allow you to say, hey, lady in the can, switch the channel to ESPN. Um, but you can, even if you haven't done that, you can say, change the channel to 724. So you can you can do either one. Got it. And you could can you have it uh change inputs on the TV? Um or would that just be part of an activity? Well I mean, yeah, you would you would just set it as an activity. Got it. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really, really good. It's it's you know similarly if you were to graph my iphone usage and twitter would be way at the top i think if you were to graph our echo usage the the harmony stuff would be leaps and bounds over anything else that we do with it cool glad to know that's that's um that that got improved i can't i can't can't believe i can't believe you haven't bought one of these harmony hubs because i bought one already and and i didn't know but you did it you did it before yeah you did it before the alexa stuff yeah but i don't want to spend money Again, I like old me's dead. I don't. I'm happy. <laughs> I didn't even say that it sounded like it. Yeah, you know, you know what, you know, it's you know, it doesn't play well over the show though, is you know, because we're we're pretty high tech here, and we you know we use noise gates and all all kinds of different things. And would you call me? <laughs> uh, lady in the can, she gets she gets noise gated out of the show. Oh, so it just sounds like we're crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh huh, uh-huh. Um, got it. Okay. Maybe if it goes on sale, because I, I missed when it was on Amazon for 60 bucks, where I was like, it like because when I saw that sale, I'm like, I'm to- I am would totally do that, but it was already sold out by the time I I got to it. 
Yeah, that'd be that'd be the right price to get in. Because I was at Best Buy for my quarterly Best Buy visit, and it was ninety dollars there, and I was like, nah, nah. Mm. Or sorry, sorry, it was one nineteen, but it was ninety dollars on Amazon, and they price match, but I was, that still wasn't cheap enough. Yeah, yeah. Does does Best Buy price match Amazon now? Like even Amazon dot com? If wait, what? Wait, who else would they price match with? Well, Amazon's got the physical stores now. I don't know. Because didn't it used to be with Best Buy? They would only price match like if it were in a physical brick and mortar store. I remember back in 2014, they actually made like a pretty customer friendly price matching policy where their rule is. Well, that would be, sorry, getting a little, little dig in here. That would be new to me because I don't think I've really shot much at Best Buy since 2014. Okay, continue. Oh, you're sassy. Um <laughs> Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they've been pretty friendly where just like if it's in stock and shipped and sold by Amazon, uh, yes, we will price match them as well as a host of other people. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of times I've actually uh, gone in and shopped there because of that. Okay. So, like, I hope they're not losing money on the deal. Like, I, I don't think Amazon's running a negative margin business, but, um, yeah, it's not a bad deal. Hmm. All right. So I have two picks of the week so the first one is was other than the swole bezos thing this was the only other good part of the internet so do you do you know what nightscope robotics is i do not so nightscope is a company i think based out of mountain view and if you google it it's night like k-n-i-g-h-t um they make these really stupid robots that um patrol shopping malls and like uh just it's it's a big it looks like um a big dunce cap on wheels and uh i'm not sure if you saw on twitter but there was one of these at like an office building in in washington dc earlier this week that committed suicide by um oh, I, uh, driving itself into a fountain i did see that and it really made my week cuz i don't know why these things bother me so much um but it was the best so that's it that's huh. that's one half of my pick of the week it's just because anytime like I like because they aren't prevalent enough yet because because I think the company's having a lot of struggles which which good, um, it's just like if if I ever encounter one in real life I would just want to make sure I carried a pack of stickers with me so that I could put like a really high adhesive sticker on all of its sensors and cameras, just because why. I really well so that this is what we'll put in the notes for this. I really like this NPR headline which is when robot face plants in fountain onlookers show humanity. Bike loading. <laughs> As it should. Because um, what are the... the uh, there was a... Damn it. Again, the only time I, I don't save this stuff. Oh, yeah. Here was the other one. You can actually link to this for me. There was a, a really good... You know, like somebody, juxt, uh, somebody juxtaposes to uh, well-timed tweets. Uh, that's always good for uh, a laugh. So the first one says, uh, I printed out a short story uh, from the short story machine at the mall uh, and read it to a cop robot. And then it's in an unrelated place, of course. But then it says, our DC office uh, building got a security robot. It drowned itself. <laughs> we were promised flying cars. Instead, we got suicidal robots. So, um, wait, so sorry if you already said this, but so wait, so what is the, when the robot's not throwing itself into fountains, what, what, is, what does it do? uh it's it's a it's a expensive uh stupid robot that you that you lease from the company for i think like five thousand dollars a month uh for like cloud video recording and data analytics which i think they market it as being a six dollar an hour employee and then mm. it just it just patrols 
uh, office parks and, and shopping malls and constantly records everybody who's around it. But it, which I hate, which I, I, but so, it, so, it, but if, so if, so if something happens, what does it do? Then I think just it's easy, easier for like human security guards and police to like, look at video and stuff like that like it does it doesn't have like weapons or it's not gonna <laughs> like the company i think did get sued because it ran over a child's foot um but i don't think um it doesn't it's not like robocop but uh yeah so so but if so if something happens and it and it and it, it, and it sees it and it catches it on video does it know to alert the authorities like does it have some algorithm to say like Oh, I recognize that this person's touching this other person, or like, I mean, like, I'm. I don't think so. No. So it's just it's it's just like a go GoPro on wheels. I think it's. I, well, I, it, uh, I, it's just. I mean, I, I bet I I bet I could make one of those for less than five thousand. No, no, it's not five thousand. It's five thousand a month. You're leasing it from this company. Oh well, I could, I could definitely do a GoPro on wheels for less than that. Yeah, I, like I, I've. We we should we should talk offline. Yeah, I, I don't want to hate this that much, um, but I I do I fucking hate it. Yeah, I'm not a not a fan of that either. <laughs> not not a fan of phrasing it as a six dollar employee either. I I don't I don't like that. Uh, me me that, either. That's a little. That's 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 in poor taste. I've, I and and I I don't. Uh shit! I, I'm pretty sure it was the company themselves. I, I don't. I don't want to malign a company. Sure. Well, any c- company or otherwise, anybody phrasing it that way, stop that. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was actually them that said that. Yeah. Um, and also it's it's this thing, and there's there's been a whole lot of this, but like it, whether it be the uh, Palantir stuff, I'm not sure if you've ever followed them as a company, but there's all this stuff where either uh, private companies or um, government agencies will um. Uh, enlist the help of private companies for security and uh, like data analytics, where it then there's this like question as to who actually um, owns the data, and a lot of government data is getting commingled into private hands. And like now, the the uh, New York Police Department is like fighting with Palantir about who actually owns all the data they they lent to them for uh, uh, stuff. So that's that's a mess. Yeah, what could what could go wrong? All right, and then sorry, my actual pick of the week. This was going. Uh, uh, this was related to the new MacBook Pro discussion. Um, a cheap way to get chargers for it because Apple wants uh, ninety dollars for theirs. Um, is uh, you can go on eBay and look for unused chargers from people who bought the Chromebook Pixel, and I was able to pick up three USB C sixty watt chargers for twenty eight dollars a piece. So the wait. So, so, on, so what? What is what is this? People people buy the phone and then they just don't need the charger. No, no. Remember the Chromebook Pixel, like that really expensive Chromebook that they oh, made the for Chromebook, a while. Chromebook, not not the um, not the Pixel phone. Okay. No, because that that I only think is like ten watts. Um. So no, apparently that charger works perfectly well on the thirteen inch MacBook Pro with USB C, and yeah, I was able to pick a whole bunch of those up super cheap. So wait, and these uh, these are people who <laughs> just don't use their Pixel anymore. I would assume so. It's a Chromebook. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But they're not. They're not selling the Chromebook itself. They're just. They're. They're just selling the charger for parts. I. I don't know how how economies work. <laughs> All I know is we're going for three percent GDP growth, and and we're going to get there. Mega. By talking about healthcare. No. Okay. 
God damn it, this this show's gonna be forever. So, did you see the Mick Mulvaney thing about uh, the economic plan of the Trump administration? I I don't think I did. No. Uh, let me let me link it to you. Um, where is it? I like how the the top top result is NPR. Why uh, blank isn't likely to work, and then you'll <laughs> understand what the blank is. Oh my god. I I actually I did see this, but I erased it from my memory. Yeah, so Reaganomics was a thing that uh, was was the friendly name given to supply side economics uh, in the eighties, and now uh, in this uh, current era, we're going to have uh, MAGA or MAGAnomics. Feels a lame way to end the show, but there it is. Such such is the times.